Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Provoke podcast. I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims, the EMEA editor of Provoke Media, and I am joined today by the boss, Arun Sudarman, our man in the ground in Hong Kong, who's going to update us on the latest in the enormous PR saga that is the PRing of <laughs> the territory. Arun, welcome. Mm, the PRing of Hong Kong is... <laughs> quite the saga as you've pointed out it uh, it's a story that keeps on giving um it's now been what is it two years yeah since, something like uh, that since the hong kong government first started looking for public relations advice and and here we are now in the summer of well the end of summer of 2021 and we've just been informed uh, of what the the core messages for this campaign are going to be, um, but you know it's important to note to point out that the campaign still hasn't launched and may not launch till next year. It may may not launch at all. I mean, yeah, you know, they, they've said it may launch next year. The government, so that it's it's quite a campaign, isn't it? Where you have all this all this um, foreplay, I guess, is the word. Perhaps that, maybe that would be one way of putting that it. That would be yeah. one way of putting it. Yeah, it's it's maybe not the best description <laughs> of uh, of um, of what we are looking forward to here in terms of this campaign. Um, but yes, it's been interminable. It feels. So do you want to just um, how how have we got here? Do you want to just kind of start at the beginning and just mm. briefly summarise what the what the situation was two years ago that has led to this latest chapter, and then we'll go into where we are now. Sure, sure. Um, how have we got here? Well, there's a really long version, obviously, but but we'll 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 use the shorter version, just focusing on the PR agency search. Um, so in the summer of 2019, the Hong Kong government began its search for a PR agency. Um, as you will recall, Maya, there was widespread social unrest in mm. the city that summer. There was a lot going on. The government felt it needed a PR agency to help it counter the uh, the narrative around the world uh, and, and to help Hong Kong's reputation recover from the the kind of pounding it was taking. Um, and from all the images on TV and all the stories you were seeing everywhere. Um, so that first attempt uh, to find a PR firm collapsed after being rebuffed by eight major agencies, which we reported back then. Um, and then the Hong Kong government began a second attempt to secure a public relations agency. And that was in, I think it was in around March of 2020. So they waited around eight months um, and started again. Um, but the second time again, they also found considerable disinterest from major PR firms. They changed the criteria so that it was much easier to enter because obviously they wanted to avoid a situation where uh, they couldn't get anyone to take part. Um, and in this case, in, so in the 2020 search, they did, they did get seven bids. Um, although it's unclear how many met the criteria. Um, but even amongst those seven bids, there, there were none from, from any um, 
PR consultancies of any major scale. There were no networks involved. There was a long list we came out with of all the agencies that were not participating. And in fact, the two major ones that did decide to participate, Edelman and MSL, um, both pulled out um, within weeks of the deadline. Um, and so that left a, a bunch of other firms in the running. Uh, and eventually, Hong Kong ended up hiring uh, a firm called Consulum. Um, Consulum is best known for its work on behalf of the Saudi Arabian government. I think that's its primary client. Um, they have been working on the relaunch Hong Kong assignment, as it's been known for the last 12 months. They hired several people last year. They've hired a few more, I think, this year. Um, and they have, by all accounts, been conducting the various you know, campaign elements that are required for a campaign that um, was budgeted at 6.4 million US dollars. Um, mm. And Maya, you will know that that's a pretty hefty spend. It, it's kind of, I mean, I don't, how much does a relaunch a country campaign normally cost? Because that's an awful lot of money to be spending on a very small, effectively, you know, unknown PR agency. Yeah, well, I mean, they, the ISD, so the Hong Kong government tasked with this, said um, that they they researched similar nation branding exercises and they found they could range from very low, so maybe under a million, to very high, so over a billion, um, which really doesn't tell us anything, I don't think. No, it uh, doesn't. <laughs> it still seems like a lot though, right? You know, around $6 million does seem like an awful lot of money for a messaging yeah. campaign as it has turned out to be well that's and that this is the crux of the matter now so we revealed uh in june uh, i think it was in june I, I lose track a little bit with this story now but we revealed that consulum's uh one-year contract um would not be uh extended so it ended um, at the end of June, and, and they were actually kept on for another month at no cost, apparently, um, to to provide some more work, to, to deliver apparently some deliverables, like promotional materials and collateral, which I don't know, you'd think you could get that done within the 12 months. But anyway, um, they needed another 30 days to, to, to do all that, and that, they did that at no extra cost. Um, now, since that story, of course, What's happened is that various um, lawmakers in Hong Kong have started asking, okay, what exactly has this money been spent on? In Hong Kong, it's 40 million, 44 million Hong Kong dollars, so um, slightly less than 6.4. Apparently, there was a saving of 700,000 US dollars, uh, which we are, we, are, we are very grateful, obviously, for for that saving. Um, but but uh, yeah, Hong Kong lawmakers have have been questioning the spend and asking, okay, what what was it spent on? And so in response to that, the Home Affairs Department here has has revealed the messaging that was developed by Consulum. Um, and the messaging has been sharply criticized since it became yeah. public. Uh, as you may have seen, it's um, I, some of the described... descriptions some of the descriptions yeah. I, mean, I think mundane is really ouch, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, well, it months. was described as as mundane and, and unsurprising by um, by Regina Ip, who's one of the most kind of loyal 
you know lawmakers very very pro government um so i think it you, you know you've got a problem on your hands when um pro establishment lawmakers um are, are really heavily criticizing the campaign another one there, there was a follow up there were there were follow up questions in legco in the legislative council here um where another lawmaker said uh, i can tell you all of these things without having spent more than hong kong 40 million dollars mm. and when she said these things it's the messaging you know one of the things apparently cuz consulum did a lot of research apparently and this this helped them help them um, come up with these messages and one of them was that hong kong was the only city which has three special characteristics which um which are the link with the mainland and asian markets a comprehensive and convenient business environment and a cosmopolitan lifestyle um yeah i'm not being funny things... but <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, these are all things that all of the government departments that are tasked with this kind of work. So whether it's uh, the Tourism Board or Brand Hong Kong or the Trade and Development Council, these are all messages that they've been using for the last 20 years. Yeah. Really, I mean, there, I mean, there's nothing new. I mean, I'm not I, I haven't been to Hong Kong since I was 11 years old and I probably would have come up with something fairly similar and I mean yeah. you, you're you're a native and you probably would have come up with something more exciting at a much well I would have I would have tried build. to I mean I'm not sure I would have you know to, to to be fair to all the people involved in this process let's call it um I'm not sure I would have necessarily come up with with, with anything better I actually think it's really hard to come up with really good messaging for hong kong because the facts are what they are right now yeah. um hong kong has a reputation problem it has a public relations problem no amount of spin is going to change that um but you'd like to think that they would try to come up with something a little different from what really anyone on the street could have told you about hong kong and and so there's a lot of questions now about whether it was worth the money one lawmaker has called for the audit commission um to get involved and scrutinize the contract um you know and uh, it, it's not yeah it, in a weird way it's actually uniting the city which um you know that's somewhat of a rare occurrence these days so well, how, how unusual is it in hong kong for i mean this is a this is a government campaign and you've got pro-establishment lawmakers demanding the audit mm. commission look at the spent how unusual is that where in Hong Kong, for that for there to be kind of a quite a public dispute over whether something the government has done has been worth it. Oh, it's actually not unusual at all, um, but it's becoming um, in this new environment. You know, I, I think it will become increasingly unusual. Um, but uh, historically and 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 in general, it's not unusual at all. And I think this the consulum situation is an example of of an issue where um pro-establishment lawmakers feel that that they are on safe ground they can mm. criticize this this is something they can criticize right and get away with and you know because of that i think everyone is is sort of criticizing it um so you know on, on the one hand it's not a great campaign but on the other hand consulum has succeeded in uniting hong kong uh in in a manner that the hong kong government has been unable to do um, so on that count, you could say that they've made some progress. Yeah, I mean that that does sound like it was a, maybe a bit of a it's maybe a deliberate subplot. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? In the Hong Kong uh, universe, um, te what what do you think's 
gone has something gone wrong do you think anything's gone wrong or do you think this is just how it was always going to play out i think it, it it really um helps to explain why so many firms swerved this opportunity in air quotes um, i think it was always going to be difficult to come up with messaging that met the the expectations of the brief um as we've discussed discussed before and as, as you will know um you the, the quality of your public relations messaging can only be as as strong as as the facts on the ground um, and the facts on the ground are what they are so i think for many firms that was the biggest red flag and, and they um accordingly avoided it uh consulum is a, is a firm without any history in hong kong and maybe they were less aware of this particular uh, or the, these forces that were in play um so has it gone wrong um in a way, no. I, I kind of feel like this could all have been predicted. I'm a little surprised it's it's worked out quite this neatly, I suppose. Um, In what way? Well, I think, you know, if you were to predict 12 months ago, okay, this is what's going to happen with this brief, um, with this campaign. They're going to they're going to do a lot of research and they're going to come up with messages that no one likes and they're going to end up being criticized by everyone and people are going to question the value of the contract um, and it will be seen as, for, for now at least, it will be seen as as a as, as something of a failure, um, and maybe the campaign, uh, you know, may not even launch. Who knows? Uh, if you were to say all that 12 months ago, I would have said, yeah, that's quite logical. But but you know, who knows whether that will happen? Things always change. Um, but that's actually what's happened. It's quite a logical outcome in a way. Do you think Hong Kong's PRable with this campaign ever get off the ground? Well, if they're willing to listen to mm. to to what people hear and what people everywhere, you know, what their perceptions are of 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 the Hong Kong government of of Hong Kong in general, and you know, I think I think that did that was part of the research, but um, it doesn't seem to have have carried through in the in the eventual messaging, and that and you know that's the problem, isn't it? There's there are they are working within some pretty limited parameters, you would think. Mm. It does make you wonder whether this is kind of like uh, a, the watered down version of if they've spoken to like eleven and a half thousand, or they did about eleven and a half thousand surveys, didn't they, and a couple of hundred in depth interviews. That's not that's not skimping on on the ground research. That's fairly comprehensive in a in a city of any yeah. size. You'd think so, so, and I'd love to see the results, right? Well, I'd like to. I'd like to see the questions. I'd mm. like to see the results, and you'd like to see like what what was the original take? Because the, these messages, these three or four messages, this is not the original take from all that research. It cannot possibly be. So something's no. got watered down progressively, yep. isn't it? There was, is it? I mean, it feels a bit like a classic case of you know the the, the creative agency <laughs> goes to the client, pushing yep. them to be bold and brave, and then it ends up being what everybody else would have done anyway indeed yeah is, I, I think i think you're a hundred percent correct with that and you know who's to blame from for that who can say but i think again i think it's not something that was unforeseeable um 12 months ago and it's it's one of the reasons why uh so many agencies were, were wary of this brief um but you, you know you're right if you were to, to talk to people you know because the research was conducted in North America and Europe and, and countries in Asia. So all outside Hong Kong didn't include China either. Um, and if these are the messages that, 
that they've come come back with you know hong kong is a safe growing market with considerable potential um it doesn't really kind of ring true does it no it's that there's a sharp contrast between the pictures well you've been living it the pictures i've seen over here in london for the past few years and you know the, the quite sanitized bland messaging i mean this is not this is not a reputational issue that's based on misinformation or misunderstanding whether it's an edu- where it's an educational issue to clear up legacy you know um perceptions of a of a company or organizational mm. body this is this is the, the hong kong has got a, a a shocking reputation these days because of what has gone on it's yeah. as you said it's as simple as what the facts are on the ground so there's always going to be a leap um, mm. So you, I mean, I get what I mean. What do you do? What do you think? How, what do you think has to happen next? Well, that's, Is this just going to stumble on? That's the trickiest part, I suppose, of this whole relaunch Hong Kong assignment. Um, in that, the government does believe this is just a misinformation <laughs> issue, that this can just be corrected by um, by showing a, a picture of Hong Kong that they want to to uh, disseminate. And, and, and portray um, but as you've just explained that that's not going to be enough and it's certainly not going to be enough with uh, let's say top tier media um, in different countries around the world so it's um, you know it's kind of an impossible campaign the only way that Hong Kong's public relations can improve is if the facts on the ground improve and, and, and the situation changes and and for those things to happen though will require a lot more than than just this this relaunch Hong Kong campaign. And so, you know, ultimately the campaign will be I mean maybe they will I, I imagine they will launch it next year. Um but will it change anything? No, I don't think so. Um but they can say they've ticked that box. Uh and we move on, I guess. I mean, you know, I don't think there will be. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't see anything changing as a result of this campaign. No, I can't. I can't see who. I mean, if this, if Constable's work's finished as well, the next bit is presumably then um, activity of some kind, rather than than um, having a chat to some people in the background. So something's actually got mm. to. Somebody's got to put together a big global glossy country promotion campaign based on these messages so then if mm. consulum's not doing that then who's taking that forward just in terms of kind of you know the pitch process and the length of time and obviously the word everyone's you know covid will continue to be blamed for disruption in this process for the <laughs> foreseeable obviously forever. it's like forever but you can quite see yeah. this not getting off the ground for a good couple yeah. of years really because it's well, that long are... to Oh yeah, absolutely, and I think they're worried now that when they launch it, it will just attract even more criticism. Mm. So they're probably there's probably a point of view of of trying to delay it now until maybe it's safer to come out with it. Um, the apparently the materials, the the collateral and the advertising materials are are all ready. They're ready to go, um, and it so it just requires. I think I don't think and the ISD has said they're not going to hire another agency to right okay. to complete the execution i think they can they feel they can execute it. it just i guess just requires for the collateral anyway it just requires media spend but you'd you'd think there's more to it than just placing some ads right you'd think they'd have to be putting up 
spokespeople to talk to um, international media and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I would so. I would suggest they do need some external support for that. Um, but I'm not convinced they'll find it. And in, it doesn't seem like they want to work with Consulum anymore. In terms of those spokespeople, who, who do you think is credible to speak up for Hong Kong at this point and say to... And who's the most critical audience? Is it business? Is it tourism? I mean, you know, our movement is mm. restricted, so that is a factor at the moment. But are yeah. there any arguments for people having faith in Hong Kong and it being seen um, in a more positive light in the coming years, do you think? I think certainly from a business perspective, there's plenty of reason to be optimistic about the future of Hong Kong. You know, it's still got the, what is it, the second biggest stock exchange in the world. Um, it's still a, a hugely important hub for mainland capital um, and for people who want to, to, you know, deploy capital into the mainland. Um, and China is only getting bigger and bigger. Uh, so that story can be told, I feel. And so when you talk about who's a credible spokesperson, I think it, you know, business community figures are probably the best bet, right? I think they need to probably forget about civil society, uh, cause it's just not credible right now. Um, and of course there is some overlap, but they're, they're just going to have to deal with that. If they want to try and tell a positive story, about Hong Kong, they have to accept that they're going to get some uncomfortable questions from, yes, the business desk on the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, right? You can't avoid those questions just because it's a business story, but that's still a much easier story to tell. You know, the business audience is always going to be more pragmatic. Um, they are less concerned about, you know, the various issues that, that might concern other people in Hong Kong and and, you know, in, in, in other countries, it's not just limited to Hong Kong, right? Um, but yes, that that is, I think, Hong Kong's kind of strongest selling point. Um, you know, tourism, I think, will, 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 be, will be okay once the COVID restrictions end. Um, because, you know, Hong Kong is such a well-established tourist market. Uh, but really, it's I think the the business story is 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 the one they should probably focus on. Um, but again, there's there's nothing. I mean, and you know that is part of the messaging, obviously. But it's 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 as we've said, it's kind of the same old stuff they're coming out with. Um, it would be interesting to see who they would put forward, and and who would be willing as well to to step forward. Yeah, that um, would be interesting, actually, because that, that's that, for all that um, for all that we we love a proactive CEO with a voice these days. It'd be interesting to see who would back that horse, um, mm. really, and speak up. Yeah, I think. Well, I think a lot of people in the business community here would actually. They um, they they may feel like it's something they they have to do. <laughs> to be honest right. um so you know it may be that they feel it's an offer they can't refuse okay understood but that's like um, i mean that's kind of mystery right so in five minutes you, you, we've worked out that the business story is the strongest story and yes that's part of the messaging but there's nothing coming through that's particularly so far compelling no so, there's no um there's nothing that says to you, this is why your business should be in Hong Kong rather than Singapore. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and certainly nothing in the core messaging that has been revealed so far. Do you think the civil unrest issue is a, a big one for Hong Kong based businesses? Is there disquiet, do you think? Um, that's a really good question. I, I, I think it is an issue. Um, but of course, since the, the passage of, of the national security law, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's much less of an issue, you'd have to say. Um, and I think business has always been quite pragmatic, um, not just here, but everywhere. And I think they will, they will be very pragmatic about things. And, you know, they are, for, for, for many businesses, especially big businesses in Hong Kong, they are really reliant on, on their mainland operations as well to drive growth. So they can't afford to take any risks. Um, the challenge for them comes from their, their local workforce in Hong Kong, but that's just much less of a challenge now. Well, I mean, Hong Kong's not, obviously it's a unique situation, but it's not completely alone and business is based in a territory having to, as you said, be pragmatic about other aspects of political and civil life. I mean, you know, across Singapore, even across the Middle East, various other bits of the universe. Uh, it's not always possible to square that circle, is it? And and have a um, no. have a have a view that is entirely sympathetic to everybody when you are running a business in that place. So it's it's a really interesting kind of dichotomy, I think. But uh, yeah, I yeah. just feel I feel I feel that you're right. That it's like the business the business story could come across a lot stronger. And that's probably the only way forward because that's the least contentious and the, the most, I mean, there's money involved, isn't there? So that's there's always, money, yeah. I mean, money. your point about the, um, the contentious nature of some of these issues for, for companies in different regions is, is really relevant, I think, because, you know, increasingly, I think there, there are questions that, especially MNCs will face, and we've seen this, right? And people expect one kind of answer in one country and another mm. in another country. And so they're, especially for MNCs, I think they're really trying to straddle that, the geopolitical challenge of, um, you know, having to behave in, in one way, maybe when you're talking about the Chinese government, but maybe the US government is expecting a different kind of behavior. Yeah. Uh, and that I suspect will only become more difficult. Yes, well, we shall see. I uh, you'll obviously be observing things closely. How are things on how are things on the ground now? Um well, everything is pretty quiet now because you know the the we've had the covid situation and covid has been dealt with reasonably well here. But it's very hard to leave. Well, you can leave, but it's very hard to come back. You have to do. It's got Hong Kong has some of the strictest quarantine uh, restrictions in the world. So if you leave, you have to come back and do two or three weeks in a hotel. Um, but in terms of unrest, I mean, that's yeah. It's, it, most most people are either behind bars or they've left. Is is the truth of it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so. It's uh, uh, yeah, that, it's it's a very different situation now. Well, we will be watching with interest to see what happens next in this long-running PR, global PR saga, 
in fact. <laughs> Any yep. closing thoughts? I suppose the only other thing is what happens to Consulum next. Um, are they still working because... for Saudi? Are they still doing that? Well, they job? are, but they have an office here. They set up an office here in May, I think, of last year, and they've staffed it up. Um, and now it, the question is, what happens to the office here? What happens to the people who work for the office here? Um, because as far as I can tell, the Hong Kong government was their primary client. Maybe they're also doing work, you know, supporting other consulum offices on the Saudi work as well. But I wonder if that will be the next story um, in this in this never-ending saga. <laughs> Is consulum China still a thing? I, I, I suppose we'll find out in the coming weeks, won't we? Yeah, I think we will. They're not going to get past your interrogation anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, I, they're not. I, yeah, I wouldn't say Consulum is 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 kind of um, has got me on speed dial. Let's put it that way. Um, but I'd like to think I'd notice if, if anything happened. I think you'll notice. I'm sure. Uh, I'm yeah. sure somebody will let you know if they have any uh, information on that. Um, yeah. Irene, thank you so much for running us through uh, where how we got here, where we are now, and uh, and what may or may not be happening next in the in the long run entail of trying to relaunch Hong Kong and its reputation. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy to use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.